I don't get it. about contemporary dance in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. I'm Paul, and uh, and we're talking about the Nutcracker on this this hallowed December podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, it was a it was a pretty special Nutcracker for us, for actually. Us, um, uh, yeah, because we were in it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, as background in in a party scene. Yeah, so the, the the first half of the Nutcracker features a big party scene with lots of kids and presents and things like that, and we were some of the guests at the party. How did that happen, Fonda? How did we find ourselves on the Jubilee stage? I really don't know, but the lovely people at Alberta Ballet invited us to, um, to be part of it. I think that uh, this is something that a lot of the Nutcracker productions do because it's a rather, it's a big party scene. There's a lot of room on stage. um, And yeah, so they'll invite, you know, like media or or politicians or whoever um, is kind of, you know, like... Celebrities, local celebrities. A B B or C list celebrity. Not us, not us, but... Um, But yeah, they thought that it would be um, fun for us to go and we went and it was actually very neat... um, to see the the backstage and how yeah. all of that works, the uh, the lady um, or the costume fitter who was working with us, Michelle. M- Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Michelle was excellent um, and had to help me get in and out of the dress. It was almost a three person job. Sure. How do you how do you describe the dress? So the dress was this big gold thing. There was it, it had probably I don't know five or six actual parts to it, but they were all sewn together. Um, so you step into it and there's, I don't know, probably like two dozen hook and eye in pieces in the back where you have to do it up. And then there was a big choker and a big feather in my hair and poofy sleeves. And it was really fun to wear. I couldn't sit down in it. Okay, yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it, was, and it was very gold, super gold. Right. Yeah, and then and then we were uh, in in once gussied up. Uh, we were we were sort of in in the background of this party scene. We were sort of hanging out uh, behind a curtain while the first scene was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was us. It was a fellow from TD Bank as the other guest. Yeah, um, yeah. His name was Greg. Greg. Right? Yeah, yeah, Greg was cool. And then then we were also sort of assigned a dance escort, I guess, to make sure we didn't actually get in the way of any choreography. Yes, and our so I kind of referred to him as our handler. Oh yeah. He yeah. Was, his name was Eli Barnes. He was fantastic. So we were on stage. The party scene is actually quite long. It's about twenty minutes long, and so we were kind of on stage doing background things that entire time. Yeah, gestures, a lot of faux gestures and real gestures and just just watching the ballet but from within it yeah the one um thing that i found was interesting that you could do in the ballet but not in other theater productions where you know if you're in a large town scene or something Mm -hmm. like that if you're if it's a theater production usually you're not actually really allowed to talk to each other or crack jokes but in this one because you know the music is is the main the main sound that everybody hears you can actually sort of whisper and and chat with the other people on stage so you're cracking jokes about how scary some of the costumes looked sure yeah (laughs) 
yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. So, so what would you say you observed as as part of as being part of the the ballet? What did you, what did you sort of take from from that experience? Would you say being part of it? I think was um, was interesting. I was surprised at how loose it was. Yeah. Um, actually, you know, it was very much improvised uh, in, in, as part of the background scene. But what also I appreciated and didn't really think about that much um, prior to this was how. I don't know, the 200 costumes that are in this production are also very well choreographed in terms of where they are backstage at any given time. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it was uh, it was interesting because we were just a very small part of it, but I felt like we had, I don't know, so many people who were actually handling us handling us and making sure ways. that we knew we, we what to do mm -hmm. yeah yeah i found uh to go on the looseness you were you were sort of talking about um the nutcracker i, I get the sense that for dancers it's sort of like i mean it's the production everyone does it makes a ton of money for for the ballet it helps keep them going mm -hmm. so so the vibe is pretty like it, it's not like the most taxing art in the world i think for mm -hmm. anyone to do so even backstage sort of before the the show began it seemed like everyone was pretty chill everyone was just sort of looking to have fun there were lots of jokes yeah it's choreography um, that they know um like they've been doing this version of the nutcracker alberta ballet has been doing it for eight years now so right. they're all very familiar with how it works and what goes on and if you look at even the um the casting changes that happen throughout the run of six performances mm -hmm. there are so many more changes than would happen in a nor in one of the regular ballets like where say one or two principals play a character and that's it um in this production you'll have like maybe four or five even that sure, are taking yeah. on the role of you know clara or or the russian dancers or anything like that right right because it's it's yeah it just felt a little more interchangeable a little like mm -hmm. a little more like yep it's the nutcracker here we go yeah Let's there's like thing. four sugar plum fairies and three claras mm -hmm. and all that stuff and also a cast of 75 young kids from um dance schools around edmonton and area who are you know making their big ballet debut first, on the yeah. on the jube stage much like us much yeah. like we did although we were not really dancing at all <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. um yeah so i mean it's of course it's really exciting for kids uh to be in the in the big show with the professional ballet dancers and all that kind of stuff too great okay so that was act one our 20 minutes of it um yeah. but we actually get to got to watch act two yeah um which for me was uh, slightly jarring, only because um, I've never seen a Nutcracker before. But all of the things I know about the Nutcracker, plot-wise, costume-wise, visually, are all in the first half. You know, mm -hmm. so the second half was like a, seemed like a totally detached from my mental concept of what the Nutcracker was, because they're on they're on tour. They're sort of in a foreign land. They're mm -hmm. it's not winter. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. there's no there's <laughs> nary a rat king to be seen. Yeah, they go from this sort of land of um, you know Clara home with her parents and it's winter and uh, the the Alberta Ballet's version is set in a sort of Russian aristocracy sure like yeah. or yeah or Russian Russian style um, so then they then you know the second half really is like Clara's dream they go to the land of sweets and there's a whole bunch of and what what surprises me is that every time I hear that everyone you know about the difference between the first act and the second act the second act has all of the music that everybody fr knows. Fr it has the Nutcracker Suite in yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, it's true. I mean, there were so many points when it was like, oh, that's from the trailer from Home Alone too. <laughs> that's from that episode of The Simpsons. There was a lot of music I recognized, even if visually it was uh, not what I was expecting. The music was absolutely very, very familiar. And it shows, I guess, 
how uh, how important that score was or how often pulled from that score was, maybe. Yeah, so a little bit of dance geek history here. Um, Hit it. Yeah, <laughs> Tchaikovsky composed The Nutcracker in 1892. He did it as part of a commission. Apparently, he really didn't like it. He didn't, um, he didn't like doing the job as much, but eventually ended up plowing through and creating this incredible suite in the second half, which is about 20, 25 minutes long. And it has um, the Spanish dancers, the Arabian dancers, Chinese dancers, the Russian dancers, which is probably the biggest flourish, Christmas Mm -hmm. flourish that you can remember. Um, And then the dance of the flowers and the sugar plum fairy. So all of these, I guess, maybe six movements that when they get knit together, it's one of the most famous pieces of music done for ballet um, ever. Sure. So um, it, the Nutcracker premieres again in ni- 1892, and it's a total flop. The Russian audiences didn't really like it. And I think it was mostly because the dancing wasn't that great, and they didn't really... Um, I think there, there were kids in it in the first... Uh, in in the first show and they didn't really start casting adults as in in like Clara's role and things like that until much later but poor Tchaikovsky ended up kicking it he died the year after and so he never really saw the big success that the Nutcracker would become I don't know like 20 or 30 years later ballet companies started picking it up and really thinking well hey it became so why why is it this Christmas tradition why is it gone from a a total flop do you think or a, a partial flop at least to something that is done by not just the Alberta Ballet, but sort of across the across the Western world, and so held up as this this annual tradition. This is something that I like. This is just a guess, really. Okay. But I think it's because there's a lot of moving parts, okay. um, and they're really short, mm. so they can be taught and and kind of farmed out um, to different groups. Like I've seen Nutcrackers where um, a bunch of schools will band together to do the whole show, but only certain groups are doing each piece, right? So it's easy to get a lot of people to do different things or or to do the different sections. Sure. So big, Mm -hmm. big production, lots of moving parts that can sort of be detached and assigned and delegated. Yeah. Yeah. They can be, they can be really, really well isolated Mm -hmm. because those pieces of music, especially in the suite are, I don't know, maybe four or five minutes long, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, there's that. And also then you can, by doing that, you have a big spectacle um, that, that is relatively, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call it easy to put on, but yeah, you can delegate parts and sort of the dancing isn't the most taxing in the world, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you've got this big spectacle uh, that is relatively easier, easy to make, yeah. I guess, or produce. Yeah, I wouldn't say, like, the dancing... I wouldn't say easy. I want to yeah. <laughs> clarify I'm not saying anything look easy. Well, I think but... it's, it is easier in the way that it, if you're learning a dance that's shorter and mm-hmm. you learn all of these different sections that are, like, quite short and sweet and they have their own style and everything like that and they can be very well isolated, mm-hmm. they can be rehearsed in isolation, all that stuff. So I think in those ways it is easier to put on the Nutcracker. Also because every ballet dancer is really familiar with the Nutcracker since a very young age. Right. The choreography may not always be exactly the same. Like Alberta Ballet's is choreographed by Edmund Stripe, um, and I thought I thought that um, quite a few of the pieces in the suite actually were really nicely done. Like the Arabian dance was really beautiful. Um, this sh- this Sugar Plum Fairy dance was very nice. The footwork was really delicate and. Um, 
and interesting. So, you know, in, in those ways, yes, each Nutcracker production can be unique. Um, but yeah, I think that also just being able to parse out each of those sections so cleanly mm -hmm. really does lend to um, a much a much simpler kind of add water production. Right, yeah. and I mean, and this this production, this Alberta Ballet production tours beyond even the usual Alberta Ballet productions, which do Edmonton and Calgary. This one sort of alternates between going to Ottawa or Vancouver every other year. Um, and, and it seems to be, yeah, because it's this big production that, that is easy to ship and uh, uh, possible to ship to different parts and without losing that sense of spectacle mm -hmm. or without having to do an incredible amount of retooling every time you go to a new place. There's a new children's cast in every city. Yep. But mm -hmm. other than that, everything else is pretty pretty set in stone. Mm -hmm. And these kids, like, they rehearse in their own ballet schools or their own dance schools since, like, you know, October. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're really prepping. It's a big part of their lives for a while. But n I guess never having seen the Nutcracker before Ever. this, Paul, mm -hmm. um, what what did you actually think of the dancing in it? Sure. Well, I mean, like I said, it, it, when, what I got to actually see um, from the from the audience was different from what I was expecting. It was, uh, uh, it felt like showcasey, I guess, and partly because it was sort of those parceled outs, partly because the plot literally was um, in the land of sweets. They're being presented with all these gifts, so it's it's these different different styles in sort of short bursts. Um, yeah, I found um, I found it was, uh, yeah, there was a lot of variety. Sometimes I thought the music was a lot more forceful perhaps than, than the actual dancing was, um, and in terms of its energy and, and, uh, and how it was coming across. Uh, the variety was good, the variety was, was interesting to take in. Um, uh, and again, was sort of unexpected for like, oh, not a rat king, not a, not a nutcracker fight scene. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it was so it was uh, it was I guess interesting to see to finally see what all the fuss is about for mm -hmm. me and to be able to say oh it is these sort of like shorter pieces it's sort of it's very varied um, it's a lot of different styles of dance it's a lot of different costuming styles um, and all framed in in a lot of set and design and production uh, yeah which sort of sells it I think. Uh, yeah, we brought. I brought friends um, because they gave us comps. Yeah, um, they're like, you're gonna be in the show. You can have some friends. So, so I brought friends who also have no idea, um, who who aren't ballet or dance aficionados. Um, and I think I think they they enjoyed the that sense of variety as well. They mm -hmm. didn't get sort of stuck in one style or or genre. And maybe that's another reason why it's so enduring and capable of making so much income and generating so much revenue for ballet companies is even to someone who, who isn't that familiar with dance, they get sort of a sampler platter of a lot of different takes of ballet or a lot of different styles of ballet. It's not watching one particular style done for an extended period. Totally, totally. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I guess too, it, I mean, there are parallels in the theater world. Like the sure. Christmas Carol is the cash cow for a lot of the big theater right, companies right. in a lot of cities. So. Um, I read some statistics somewhere that the Nutcracker is actually responsible for about 40% of the profits of any um, any professional dance company in North America. Just think about that. That's so crazy. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> half of their income comes from this one show, which is so much spectacle. Um, mm -hmm. 
and and yeah it has just proven this enduring thing yeah i mean and i think too for a lot of people um like audience members especially even when we came down and were sitting in the audience there were a lot of kids a lot of families who have made this sort of like a tradition yeah so they go see it every year even though they probably never see any other ballet or dance the rest of the year people will still go see the nutcracker because it's a holiday tradition it is the thing it is the thing yeah so Great. well i guess um that was our experience in the nutcracker again we do really want to thank alberta ballet because it was a super fun opportunity to um see the behind the scenes and yeah. how it all went together and thanks to eli barnes <laughs> and showing us around yeah. keeping us out of the way showing of us around making groups sure of children we didn't get run over by grandpa in the wheelchair yeah yeah there was a lot of great points when he'd just be like and now we're going to move to the other side of the stage because in about 30 seconds you know there's going to be a horde of kids running through or grandpa's going to parade through in a wheelchair yeah and, or, uh, or um oh, yes as as we went off stage um our, our scene was sort of done then there were like this horde of children dressed as mice. Whoa, yeah. They were they were very realistic looking mice. Terrifying <laughs> costumes up close. Yeah, so it was um, overall it was really great fun. Um, thanks to Danielle Bartha with um, Alberta Ballet as well, and to Michelle who dressed us. Yes, who it was, made us look good. It was great. Um, so yeah, what's uh, what else is going on now, Paul? What else is going on? I think the the last thing that I know of before Christmas in the dance world is happening this weekend. It's Mile Zero Dance's next salon. There's sort of showcase of, of a variety of different acts. Yeah, the theme for the salon is coming of age, and the the salon is running on December 19th and 20th Yeah. at C103. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of different um, acts in it. Uh, yeah, which always has variety. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the interesting thing about the MZD salons is they're not really necessarily even tethered to dance. They're sort of just mm-hmm. like, it's the audience. The audience they've sort of created around those is one that's just looking for interesting and almost avant art, things that are pushing the boundaries a bit, be them in some form of performance. Yeah, so we're going to, I believe there's going to be some of the participants from the Poetry Brothel there. Uh, Pamela Sang from Calgary is Mile Zero's artist-in-residence right now, and she's going to be presenting a solo piece there. Uh, Robert Halley will be there. There will be some voguing. Um, There will be some House of Dam, I heard, as well. And yeah, just a whole bunch of fun things right before Christmas. Yes. And then, then after Christmas, we'll be back with our 30th episode. Yeah. Ever. We've, yeah. We're at 29 right now. We're speaking speaking podcast number 29 as we speak. So next one will be 30. We'll yeah. see. We'll see how that goes. Great. It's like a real coming of age for us. Truly. <laughs> Great. All right, everyone. Go watch them dance. Bye. I Don't Get It is a podcast produced by Poglino, Fonda Mithrush, and Andrew Paul. It was recorded in a blanket fort in the Tall House on Alberta Avenue in Edmonton, Alberta. Our website is idontgetitdance.com. You can follow us on Twitter at I Don't Get It Dance, and you can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Our theme song is Mountain Time by Ghibli. Follow his music and check him out at ghibli.bandcamp.com. Sit here thinking.